I got to confess, I, I just love that movie. I love that. Got any guys out there like that movie a little bit? I started to get some blue face paint. One of those skirts. Then I thought about what my legs look like. I said, nobody wants that. Um, that movie um, is, is so about vision and leadership. And we're going to talk about spiritual leadership. Today is the first Sunday in a new series entitled Dangerous Church. And um, I want to thank my guys who made this set back here for us. And as you can see, there are seven doors, and we're going to give you seven principles of leadership in this series. Some of you may be wondering why we would name it Dangerous Church. What does that have to do with leadership? Well, one of the reasons I named it Dangerous Church is because I wanted to stir up some questions and interest and curiosity about what, um, about what it was uh, all about. I, I kind of got nervous, though, when I saw the big banner over the information desk and then I thought about guests coming in, and the first thing they see is dangerous church. Well, at least we told them up front, you know. Most churches you don't find out till later, you know, so we're, at least we're being honest. But I do want us to be a dangerous church, and here's why I say that. Because I want that to be the reputation of this church in the kingdom of darkness. I want this church... To be a dangerous church to the enemy. When he thinks about us, when he sees our actions and our service, when he hears our proclamation, when he watches our worship, when he sees that we are not satisfied to just have a holy huddle on this little piece of property right here and forget about a lost world and we go out there and try to reach out and take back what he's stolen. When he sees we're serious about that, I want to make him tremble. I want to make his knees bump together. Not because of who we are, but because of who God is through us. I want our church to be a threat to the kingdom of darkness. There are a lot of other things I could have preached on because... Godly leadership, spiritual leadership, is not the only quality that would make us dangerous to the kingdom of darkness. There are other things I could have preached on. There are other qualities. There are many of them. Let me just mention a few that, that I believe that if a church has these qualities, they literally can make hell tremble. And The first one is faith-filled prayer. I believe if a church is filled with faith-filled prayer, genuine prayer, sincere, serious, getting-down-to-business prayer, I believe that shakes up the dark world. I believe also that a bold witness, not being ashamed of our message, but proclaiming our message, speaking our message, sharing our message, not up in your face, but in love and tenderness. Talking about what Jesus has done for us. Not just with each other who know the Lord, but out there in the world saying, You know what, man? I'm not trying to tell you what to do, but let me tell you what Jesus did for me. 
That is the most powerful way to witness, by beginning your sharing with a testimony of what God has done in your life. Another thing that I believe shapes up the dark world is consistent joy, real joy, authentic joy. You know, the world, and especially with all the stuff that's coming out in the news right now and all the stuff that, you know, with the election and all of that, it is real easy not to have joy. But when we exude joy in the toughest of circumstances, the world sees that and they see Jesus in that. In just about more than any other thing we can do, when we exude joy, and let me tell you where joy comes from. Joy comes from peace. That's why you have joys, because there's a peace in you, and there are two kinds of peace when it comes to talking about God. There is peace with God, and that's what you got when you were born again. That's the peace you got when you were saved, if I can use some Christianese there. When you came to Jesus and said, I'm lost, and I need a Savior, and you're the only one, and I need you in my life. Would you please, Lord, come in, forgive me of all my sins and live in me. At that moment, you had peace with God. And what I mean by that is you were no longer at war with him. You were no longer. See, if you're here today and you don't know the Lord, you, you say, you know, there are hypocrites in the church and that's why I'm not a Christian. That's why I don't give my heart to the Lord because it's just so inconsistent. We may be inconsistent. The church may be inconsistent, but he isn't. And we're not pointing you to us, please. We will let you down, but he will not. We're, we're just a gathering of imperfect people who want to be more like Jesus. Amen, amen? And so we're not pointing you to him. So, so when you come to him, you, you find peace. You're in a war with him this morning. I can tell you, I've been there. If you don't know the Lord during worship, you were miserable. <laughs> You say, he's looking at me. How could I look at you? I was on the front row. I had to look at this bunch. I wasn't looking at you. I know. I've been there. And then when the choir sang and you could just see God on the choir, it was pretty music, but something about it just made you want to run out the back door. I know. I know how that feels. So you're at war with God this morning if you have been running from him. If you haven't received him as your Savior, you and God, are you're, you're struggling. But when you ask him into your heart, y'all, do y'all remember that day? Who remembers that day in your life? You remember what happened that day? Peace with God. But what, we're, what brings great joy is the peace of God because that's a whole nother level. That is a peace that remains. That is a peace that remains no matter what the circumstances around you. And when you mature in your walk with God and you get that peace, that peace of God, not just peace with God that happened when you got saved, but the peace of God that remains, that abides no matter what the circumstances of life, then out of that peace there is joy no matter what Wall Street does. My 401k is now a 201k. (laughs) But I've still got the peace because my peace isn't based on the market. My My peace isn't based on who gets elected president. 
My peace is based on I'm right with the King of kings and Lord of lords. Do I mess up and blow it and need to repent? You better believe it. But he lives in me. He lives in me. I've got peace with him, and I've got peace of him. And I thank him for that. I didn't mean to get bogged down there. But faith-filled prayer shakes up the dark kingdom, and bold witness shakes up the dark kingdom, and consistent joy shakes up the dark kingdom. Willing service. Like you guys this morning are going to sign up for Hallelujah Night. And I want to thank you in advance for just hooking up with Hallelujah Night and building that leadership team. And you come out and serve those parents and see on Hallelujah Night a bunch of lost people come. A bunch of unchurched people will come on this campus that will not come on a Sunday yet, but they'll come to that. Especially if you'll invite them and you're going to be serving so they can enjoy and have a good time and they'll see Jesus in that. And the kingdom of darkness hates it when you say, I want to serve God and I could care less where my name is, whether my name is ever called in public or not for serving. Amen. And we're going to call your name in public sometimes and we're going to say thank you and we're going to affirm. How many of you know I've preached on affirmation and the importance of that? But you might do something for God and not get affirmed. But you're cool with it because you're doing it for the king. You're not doing it for anything down here. And the enemy hates that. See, he knows if a church starts functioning in body ministry, it's going to mess him up. Another thing that makes a church a dangerous church is unconditional love. And i got to tell you something, guys. We have that, but, but we're still working on showing it. I'm going I'm to get you a little bit this morning. Y'all, y'all love me? We've got to be more about finding people who are visiting and who are new and, and really searching them out on Sunday morning so we can welcome them. We've got to get better at that because it's so easy to hook up with all the people we already know, we already are comfortable with, Okay. A little preaching right there. I pause for emphasis. I pause to give you that little uncomfortable feeling like I think he's talking about me. And let's be warmer to new people. Let's be more friendly to new people. So easy to go up to family and friends and people we know and catch up. Let's don't make Sunday morning about that. Let's make Sunday morning about, you know what? That person, I've not seen them before. I've not met them before. I'm going to walk up to them and say, hey, and say, man, we're glad you're here today. That could be all they need, just that show of love that will open their heart so that when the gospel comes forth, they receive it because of your little act of love in the coffee shop. Am I making any sense here this morning? Unconditional. It does not matter where they are on the financial totem pole. It does not matter where they are um, in relation to whether they're from around here or not. I mean, they could be from a foreign country like California or New York. We welcome foreigners. Amen. They could be from really, seriously, another country. Um, you know, a lot of times we, we, we back off if we hear a different accent. We back off if we see a different skin color. We back off because, you know, culturally... Maybe we were raised that, you know, everybody kind of sticks with their own kind. Well, it's a new day, cuz. It's a new day. And, and thank God it is, because this is a lot more like Jesus. When you look out and see color, 
I like that, man. I like that. I, I won the whitest white man in Wayne County two years running. If you see my legs, you know why I won. <laughs> we need color. We need, God just has a, a way of blessing in a greater way when we all forget all of that and drop all of that to the side and we're all the same. Amen, amen. Amen. It's a good, good word there. And then godly leadership, godly leadership, and that's the one we want to talk about. So for the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about how God has plans for you to be an effective leader. You say, well, I don't really think I'm called to be a leader. Sorry, everybody's a leader. Everybody is a leader, and I'm going to show that to you in just a minute. Let's look in Proverbs 11 and 14. It says, without wise leadership, a nation is in trouble. Well, I got news for you. Without wise leadership, not only is a nation in trouble, so is a family. We need wise leadership over families. We need wise leadership of businesses in trouble without wise, godly, good leadership. A, a community is in trouble. A church is going to be in trouble without good, godly, wise leadership. The world is in trouble without this kind of leadership because everything rises or falls on leadership. Two big problems in our culture today as it relates to leadership. Two big problems. Number one, we've lost the ability to discern the difference between a celebrity and a leader. Just because you make 60% of your three-pointers, it may make you a celebrity, but it doesn't make you a leader. Let me tell you about celebrities. Celebrities are just famous. That's all. Leaders get stuff done, and you may never know their name. You may never know the name of the greatest leaders on the face of this earth. We got way too many celebrities and not enough leaders. And we don't need any more celebrities who are just famous for being famous. We need leaders who get good, godly stuff done. The second leadership problem we have in our culture, and we've had it a long time, aren't new problems, is that around the world there's a major shortage of this kind of leadership, good, godly leadership, a tremendous shortage, I'm telling you. That's why I hope this church produces leaders. As we look around, we see we got the wrong kind of leaders in the media. We got the wrong kind of leaders in government and sports. Isn't that the truth? It's just amazing to me. Because a guy can take a leather ball full of air and put it through a hoop. We want to know his opinion on world hunger. <laughs> I'm just saying that, that celebrity doesn't make you a leader. And, and we've gotten those mixed up, haven't we? We really have. Look who they got out speaking for different things. I don't know about y'all, but I just look at it sometimes and go, what in the world does he know about that? It's just because he's a celebrity. They got him doing it. Got the wrong people in the business, the wrong kind of leaders in business. We got the wrong kind of uh, leaders in entertainment and education and so many other areas. There's just a shortage of good, godly, righteous, wise leadership. Maybe you've never thought of yourself as a leader again, but you are because, and here's why. Here's why you're a leader. Because leadership is one word, influence. 
leadership is nothing in the world but influence. Now, I'm not the one who thought of that. If you've ever heard John Maxwell talk, you know that's a John Maxwell word right there. Leadership is influence. And listen, listen. Every time you influence somebody, whether they are two, Millie influences a lot of two-year-olds because she's the nursery, toddler nursery person. So she influences a lot of two-year-olds. doesn't matter if they're two or 22 or 82. If you influence somebody, even if it's just one person, you are leading that person. You are leading them. You are a leader. So it isn't whether or not you're a leader. It's whether or not you're a good one or a lousy one. It's not, it's not whether or not you are a leader. It's whether you're a good one or a bad one, whether you're a godly one or a prideful, self-reliant leader. Every time you have interaction with another person, you are influencing them in some way. You are taking on the role of leadership in that very moment. When you look at that two-year-old who just took his milk and turned it upside down to see what would happen, and you are splaining to him. That is leadership. You are influencing him. And you're explaining why we don't do that. The Bible teaches that if you are a believer and a follower of Jesus Christ, then God, our Lord Jesus, wants you to be a leader of others. And he wants you to, do, he wants you to lead people to accomplish his purposes for his glory. He wants you to lead people to accomplish his purposes for his glory. So since we know all that, we're going to spend a few weeks looking at how to improve your leadership skills. And, and i got to tell you, man, uh, the, the little bit of preparation I've done for this so far um, is causing me to see some things about myself. And so, so we're going to look at how to be better leaders in our home and with our friends and in our small group and with our business or our job or school or wherever you are in the community. God says because, and I kind of paraphrased uh, what I believe God's saying to us in this series. God is saying to us, I believe, because you've believed on me and because you're one of my children, I want you to lead others for good and I want you to influence them and don't allow them to influence you. I believe the Lord is speaking thus, that to us in this series. Now, I've been the pastor of this church for 18 and a half years, almost 18 and a half years. And um, I have been praying for leaders since day one. And I thought I knew at 33, you know, I came here when I was 33. Y'all do not turn 52 this past week. I came here when I was 33. My waistline was the same. 33. <laughs> Had big hair. Things have changed. But I know now the need of leadership more than ever. I just want to say to you, and I want to look you all in the face. I got to tell you something. I need you more now than I've ever needed you. If we're going to be the church, God, I believe God has called us to be in this community, I need you more now than I have ever needed you in my life. Somebody said, Pastor, I saw the numbers from last weekend. Man, that was awesome. Over a 1,000 people attended our weekend services. Last weekend they said, man, you know, kind of looking at me like, how does that make you feel? I looked at them scared. Scared because every time this church gets bigger, I'm pastoring the biggest church I've ever pastored. 
That makes you scared, doesn't it? <laughs> I need you guys. I need you, and I need you to rise up. I need you to not be, not be shy. I need you to rise up and help me lead. I need you to accept this calling of God that you are a leader influencer. It is my prayer that not only will God raise up leaders, but that God will train those of you who are leaders to even be greater leaders, more, more effective leaders, that he'll increase your personal influence. And, and I'm telling you that if we buy into what I'm going to teach over the next few weeks, and Pastor Jared's going to help me teach this, and Pastor Andy's going to help me teach this some, and if we buy into this, I want to tell you that we, this church, when the enemy thinks about this church, it, it can make a dread come over him. Isn't that awesome? It, just think about that. Just think about If you don't get anything outside what I say today, just think about that if we will pursue God in this area of leadership and those other qualities I mentioned a while ago, we can actually bring dread to the enemy. Oh, man, how sweet is that? Because he has certainly brought enough in my life. I would love to bring a little bit in his. There are no perfect leaders. Y'all know that, don't you? I'm not perfect. Y'all look very holy this morning, but neither are you. And nobody's perfect. There is only one perfect leader. His name is Jesus Christ. But at least by going through this study together, we're making the effort to be better leaders. And if you have never thought about yourself as a leader, I want you in this series, in this sermon series, I want you to say, God, am I, I mean, God, am I a leadership material? I mean, I never thought of myself as a leader. So, God, if there's something that you want me to lead, I mean, if there, maybe I've just never given you the chance to speak to me about that. I make my ears available, Lord. Speak to me, and, and I will hear you. And again, let me tell you that I believe God is going to raise up. You, you see these little, little ones up here this morning? Listen, I believe God is going to put his hand on them. I believe over there in that 135 in kids' church and I believe in, and you guys know on Wednesday night, it's just, uh, as Jeff Foxworthy says, it's pandelirium around here on Wednesday night. Because we just got kids running all over the place. Do you all know, <laughs> this is going to be really encouraging to you, that the new building is too small? The new building's too small. Yeah, what a great problem. I'll take that problem all day. The new, pro the new building's too small. I, I mean, Kirsten... Um, is having, <coughs> I'm sorry about that nagging cough. Kirsten is having um, 125, even sometimes 140 girls on Wednesday night. I know a boatload of pastors who would love to have that on Sunday morning. Amen. We're blessed. But, but, but when you see those little ones and you see those Royal Ranger boys out there, and our Royal Ranger ministry is booming, man. It's growing under Sydney's leadership. And, and you see those teenagers back there with Pastor Jared, and you just see what's going on there. You need to say a little prayer. God, raise up great leaders. Raise up great leaders, oh God, from these little ones. Today, we're going to begin our discussion of seven leadership principles, and I know my time's almost up. Let me give you this one first, and these are not all. We're going to give you seven, but they're certainly not all. I could probably do 77 principles from Jesus, the life of Jesus, because that's what we're going to do. We're going to look at Jesus' life and how he led, and we're going to look at that, what made him a great leader. And the first one is right there on that first door and up on the screen. It's identification. 
Identification. If you're going to be a great leader, you got to know who you are. you got to know who you are as a person. Knowing who you are is the foundation. Knowing who you are is the starting point of leadership. I must know who I am. Warren Bennis is a professor from the University of Southern California, and he's written about a dozen books on leadership. He calls what I'm talking about right here self-awareness. He says, if you're going to be a great leader, you've got to have a good, healthy self-awareness. All good, great leaders know two things. They know their strengths and they know their weaknesses. All good, great leaders know their strengths and their weaknesses. And here's what you've got to do with your strengths. You've got to accept them. You accept your strengths. Now, here's why I say that. Because in the church world, we think <coughs> that to say we're good at anything means we're being prideful. No, you're not being prideful. You need to know what you're good at. You need to know what your strengths are. But you also need to admit your weaknesses. It's very, very important that we, that we acknowledge our strengths, that we accept our strengths. So if you're going around going, oh, no, I'm no good. I'm no good. Y'all remember, how many of y'all watch Barney and Andy? How many of you have no idea who Barney and Andy is? Okay. <clears throat> I have to keep remembering. I just can't imagine people don't know who they are. But Barney got into the, into the moonshine. He didn't mean to. They had poured some in the water cooler thing, and he drank some of that, and he got down on his self, and he was going around saying, I'm no good. I'm no good. <laughs> You remember that one? And Andy goes, you are good. You are good. And he looks at Andy and goes, you're good too. So, a scene. Let's see, drama. Um, so I hear that in the church. I'm no good. I'm no good. Oh, I'm just not good. Either. Listen, when you say that, you know what you're saying? You're saying God makes junk. And I, last thing I heard, God don't make no junk. God made you with a purpose. God made you and put stuff in you that you know how to do, and he wants you to do it, and he wants you to shine. And that isn't pride. That is not pride. So get that out of your head. I don't like false humility. You know, people who are humble and proud of it. So you need to accept your strengths and admit your weaknesses. You got strengths, you got weaknesses, and so do I. We're a big bundle of both. We're a bundle of both, great weaknesses and great strengths. Leadership is not ignoring one in favor of the other. Here's what leadership is. Leadership is being honest about both of them. Just be honest about both of them. Good leaders don't try to be something they're not. They're self-aware. They know who they are. Jesus, Jesus had no doubt about who he was. As a matter of fact, 18 times in the four Gospels, he began sentences with, I am. I am. You say, but I'm not Jesus. No, but he came to be your what? Example. In John 8, 12, he said, I am the light of the world. In Matthew 27, 43, he said, I am the son of God. In John 14, 6, he said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. In John 6, 35, he said, I am the bread of life. Jesus did not let other people identify him or define him. He, 
defined himself. He said, I am this and I am that and I am this. Hey, listen, Jesus knew who he was and he wants you to have a clear understanding of who you are in him. Identification is essential to being a good leader. If you're going to be a good leader, you've got to start with this foundational issue of knowing who you are. Listen, leaders don't look to other people for validation. Now, we, we need affirmation, but we get our validation from God. Everybody needs to hear, hey, man, that was awesome. Good job. That's affirmation, but validation comes from knowing who you are in God. In John 8, 14, Jesus said, I testify on my own behalf. He was saying there, I don't need anybody to validate me. I don't depend on somebody, uh, some other person's opinion to tell me who I am or tell me if I'm okay or tell me if I'm, you know, what I ought to be. I know who I am. I know exactly who I am. I know my own story and I tell it. Let me give you three traps you're going to fall into give you these very quickly. Three traps you're going to fall into if you don't get with God and get on your face and get in prayer and find out who you are in the Lord. And I mean, ask him. If you're having some identity problems, ask him. Say, God, I, I, I tell you what, Pastor preached today really touched my heart and, and I need to know more about who I am in you. Just get down on your knees and, and ask him and get into the word of God and, and, and he'll reveal it to you. Three common traps if you don't know what God made you to be. Trap number one, you'll allow other people to manipulate you with their expectations. If you don't know who you are, if you don't have confidence about who you are, you're going to get manipulated by other people. In other words, we often, if we're not careful, will allow other people to mold us into the image they want us to be instead of allowing God to mold us into the image he wants us to be. If you don't decide who you are, can I just break some big news to you this morning? Other people will decide for you. Does anybody, you, you, know, you, you know God's got big plans for your life, don't you? Well, I got news for you. So does everybody else. They got big plans for your life too. So if you don't get with God and find out what God's big plans for your life are, somebody else will determine that for you. A boss, a wife. I mean, if you don't believe it, guys, ask her. She will tell you why you exist. A husband, parents. I love parents, but let me tell you something. Some of you guys need to let go of what mom and daddy always said you're supposed to be. I love mom and daddy. I are one. But I'm going to tell you right now, you are not on this earth to do what mom and daddy wants you to do with your life. You're on this earth to do what God wants you to do with your life. Now listen, don't misunderstand me. If you're here this morning and you're at home and you're under your parents, they are speaking into your life the things of God if they are doing parenting the way they're supposed to. They're speaking the things of God into your life. And then as you mature, then you begin to hear more and more directly from God. It's all mom and daddy for a while. Then it's mom and daddy and God. And then it's God as you mature and grow. Does that make sense? Some of you need to let go of what other people have planned for your life. You need to let go of it and be what he told you to be. Don't let your girlfriend, your boyfriend, your teacher Trap number two, you'll start living a phony life. When you don't know who you are, you'll live one way with one person and another way with another person. When you don't know who you are, you will act one way at work and another way at church, one way at home and another way in your small group. 
You don't really know who you are, and as a result, you live a life that is not true. You live a phony life. And trap number three is stress. I mean, when you're, when you're living your life for somebody else to make them happy, can I tell you, that ain't going to work because they won't stay happy. Because once they find out they can manipulate you, they're not going to stay happy. Then they're going to manipulate you another way because they just love manipulating people. And it's going to cause tremendous stress in your life because when you are constantly having to wear a mask, and some of you, metaphorically speaking, have got a box at home with a hundred masks in it and you just carry it around with you everywhere you go because you have to act a certain different way depending on who you're with because you want everybody to like you and you want everybody to be your friend. We've all got that desire. But I'm just saying to you this morning that if you will find out who you are in Jesus and rest in that, it will bring your stress level down. I promise you it will. In closing, two things that will limit your leadership and weaken your identity. Two things right at the bottom of the paper. Does that give you encouragement? You're at the bottom of the paper. That's a good thing. But the other side is empty. Room for a lot of writing over there. Number one, comparing. (laughs) Comparing. Comparing. Number two, copying. Stop it. Stop comparing yourself and stop copying other people. God says over and over in Scripture, let's talk about comparing. Don't do this. Don't compare to other people. It makes no sense to compare to other people because nobody else is like you in the world. And the wives went, boy, say that again. When you get to heaven, God isn't going to look at you and go, hey, 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 why weren't you more like him? God will never say, hey, why weren't you more like her? Here's what God will probably say. He'll probably say something like, hey, why weren't you more like I made you to be? Why are we always comparing yourself to other people? I made you to be who you were. I didn't mean for you to be somebody else. Why are we always comparing yourself to other people? I I like what one writer said. He said, "We're we're not one in a million. You ever heard somebody say, you're one in a million? We're not one in a million. We're one in seven billion. That's how unique we are. Don't compare your salary. Don't compare your appearance or your possessions or your kids or your spouse or your education. Because God wants you to be you. Stop trying to be somebody else. Two downsides to comparing. Let me, let me give you this real quick. And there's no place for this in your notes, so you have to write on the other side. Two downsides. If you compare, here's what's going to happen. You're going to find somebody who does what you do better than you do, and that's going to discourage you. And, and then you might find somebody who doesn't do as well what you do. That's going to make you feel prideful. See how the enemy works? He wants to get you comparing because he doesn't care whether he discourages you or makes you prideful. He just wants to get you out of the game. And both of those things will get you out of the game. Both of those things, discouragement and pride, both of them will sideline you and get you on the bench and out of the game. And he knows it, man. So he's going to try to get you to compare all the time. Stop it. Number two, don't copy other people. Stop copying. God doesn't want any clones. God, he's not a cookie-cutter God. Not a cookie-cutter God. I mean, look around. Look at the person beside you. Try not to laugh. We're all different. I mean, what if everybody looked like that person next to you? Ah! So we're all, 
We're all different. We're all different. I love what this writer said. I wrote this down. He said, if you try to be somebody else, the world suffers because nobody else can be you. So if you're busy being somebody else, the world's going to suffer because God didn't make you to be them. God made you to be you. Does that make any sense? I always want, y'all know, have y'all ever heard Adrian Rogers? He's dead now, but have you ever heard Adrian Rogers preach? I wanted to be Adrian Rogers. When he talked, it sounded like God talking. I remember a young preacher, I just wanted to be him. And I wanted Charles Stanley's finger. Charles Stanley has a, has a two-foot finger. When he points at you, it looks like a piece of timber just came down. I just wanted that. I just felt like if I could point at people like he does, it's got to be me. You know, we all start off as originals, but a lot of us end up just copies of other people. So the first point of this message is if you're going to be a leader that influences others, which we have learned that God wants us to do. He wants you to be a leader who influences others. It isn't optional about you being a leader. God wants you to be a leader. So he says, if you're going to do that, you've got to first become comfortable with who you are. And the way we do that is by accepting our strengths and knowing that that isn't boasting or bragging. To admit our weaknesses. Don't try to be what other people want us to be. Don't compare to other people. Don't copy other people. Knowing who God made you to be is the first principle in leading like Jesus, let's all stand. Would you walk up here this morning? Can we just end our service around the altar? Just walk right up here today. You are an influencer. You are a leader. And we just want to pray a little two-minute prayer over you before you go home. Because it is a huge responsibility to know that your words change the way people think. Your words change the way people behave. Your example, the way you live your life, has an effect on other people. So if you don't go away with anything else this morning, I want you to go away with this. I am an influencer. Whether I want to be an influencer or not, I'm an influencer. And how I influence people matters to God. Father, I just pray that, that we would be in awe of the fact that you have trusted us to speak into the lives of other people. It may be our little two-year-old, but they are no less precious than somebody else's congregation. Whether we're speaking into the lives of hundreds or we're speaking into the lives of one or two little children, what we say to them and how we lead them is important. To you, it's very, very important to you. And I just can't even believe that you would trust me enough to influence other human beings. This is true of every one of us here this morning. So God, help us take this thing of leadership seriously. Because i got a feeling that a lot of people here today thought this series was going to be about people who are already leaders in the church. But I hope I've laid a foundation for them to understand that they are a leader. Every single person is a leader. And how we do that is vitally important to God. We commit our lives to you today.
to be good influencers, to follow you, to find out who we are in you, to accept our strengths, admit our weaknesses, stop trying to or stop allowing other people to manipulate us, stop comparing ourselves, start, stop copying other people, and just get on our face and say, God, who am I? Who am I? Who did you make me to be? What is your purpose for my life? I want to know that, and God will not leave us ignorant about that. Thank you, Father, for this day and for this word. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. God bless you. Thank you all for coming today. Before the world